I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Recording. Hello, welcome back to the Align Podcast. I'm going to organize my uh, game here on the mic- microphone. I was out recording last night at this really beautiful little underground bar um, here in Granada, Spain. They're in the south of Spain, in the Andalusia region, the last stronghold of the Moors or the, uh, the, the Muslims before the Catholic folks came over and took it over, started the uh, Spanish Inquisition, all that craziness. Um, really, really beautiful area. The, uh, that music that I, you just listened to was what I had recorded last night, about 12 hours ago, and uh, it was amazing. I uh, was moved to tears for that performance. It was really, really, really fascinating to get to... Uh, to get to see such passion <laughs> with incorporated in music. Today's episode was with the good doctor, Andreo Spina, Andreo Spina, uh, be a better way of saying it. And um, he is a doctor of chiropractic. He is the founder of Functional Anatomy Seminars. Um, he teaches all over the globe. He is a rad, rad fellow. He's a martial artist. Uh, since he was since he was a baby, since he was a little guy, we in this conversation weed out some of the BS and get down to the nitty gritty of what the heck is happening in our bodies when we are stretching, when we are contracting, when we are moving. How do we get to organize this system into the way that fits us best? You do have to understand what neutral spine is, right. but once you do, you have to explore other positions, or you're just you know, unless you can maintain neutral spine. I mean, if, if you and I can jump in a cage and start fighting and you can maintain neutral spine when I'm hip tossing you, right. you're a better man than I, dude, because there's no way you're keeping neutral spine. Right. And then the question is, how familiar is your musculoskeletal system out of neutral spine? And that's the difference between injury and non-injury. Your body, just by way of the evolutionary process, is 
has evolved in such a way that it requires constant moving on a regular basis for your entire life. So one of the best things, pieces of advice that I give people is make sure you move all of your joints to their fullest capacity frequently. And, and that's the best thing that I can do without having assessed someone specifically and, and looking at a problem they have and fixing it. Some of the things that I've been noticing as I'm moving around a lot, way too much, I would say, is uh, the importance of creating a sacred space for myself. And it's, it's funny, you don't realize the things that you miss are the things that you have until you miss them until they're until they're taken away and so in this trip it's amazing going through and going from place to place now i'm living at louise's house <laughs> and uh you know it's just like sharing a space like that on, on on a whim you know and figuring out okay how do i maintain aaron alexander whatever the heck that is how do i maintain what i'm looking to to create in this world, uh, my goals and objectives or whatever BS, uh, while I'm in this brand new spot. Now in three days, I'm going to be in Morocco, and then wherever I'm at, I don't know where I'm going to land. And so every spot is a lesson. Every challenge is a lesson. I think that's something that we need to tap into, is getting excited about meeting every challenge that we have in our life you know, and taking away all the self-pity nonsense about those challenges and recognizing that those challenges are what develop our character. Those challenges are what develop our personality, what expand our mind. But they can also destroy us if we permit them. And so that's kind of what I've been kind of going through in this journey here is... Uh, just having a lot of time to reflect <laughs> on what my perception of myself is and what I think I should be versus what I am. What the hell is that? Uh, a little quote from Joseph Campbell is, in a sacred space, everything is done so that the environment becomes a metaphor. And he tells a little story. In India, I've seen sacred places that are just a red circle put around a stick or a stone in such a way that the environment becomes metaphoric. When you look at the stick or stone, you see it as a manifestation of Brahman, a manifestation of the mystery. Um, be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N, therapy.com. On there, I have hundreds of free videos on self-care and functional movement. I have the self-care kit. Uh, use foam roller balls, bands, uh, course goes along with it. Uh, teach you how to move your body a little bit more fantastically and how to, how to keep your tissues hydrated and functioning at a high level for the rest of your life. Um, please check that thing out. Helps my trip. Helps keep me alive. Every self-care kit that you purchase gets me more... Uh, I just got these uh, olive oil cookies. They were really good. <laughs> Buys me more olive oil cookies. <laughs> I think we might be ready to go. As always, the music will be at the end. If you, if you want to listen to some live flamenco music here in Granada, Spain, recorded live just uh, when you listen to this, it'll be recorded live from like two days ago. Um, check it out. Be at the end of the podcast. 
Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you appreciating this. Andrea Spina. Here we giggity giggity go. Align Podcast. You know, our bodies are this dynamic unit. You know, it's a cohesive unit that it's not just you can segregate and break things down. You know, it's like you have a screwdriver and you're going to build a whole entire house. You know, so yeah. I appreciate that. And then one of the things that I see with folks that I'm curious your perspective on is people do that with their own bodies where they isolate down and you know, it's like, oh, you need to get your transverse abdominus functioning or firing. Oh, you need to get your, your VMO, you know, or you, oh, it's, 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 it's definitely the, the psoas muscle. It's all the psoas. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I think that you're kind of been, you know, work, you're like a revolutionary with working with getting people to have a more integrative approach with working with themselves. So thanks. Mm-hmm. And um, do, do you, what do you think about that? What do you see with that? Do you, is that something, do you see that changing with folks or what are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, funny enough, I, uh, I, I think that what I'm contributing is to change people's minds by actually bringing them back to a individual joint approach. It's kind of weird because I agree with everything you're saying. I think that, uh, you know, when you're training, you have to look at the body as a unit. When you're treating people, you have to look at the body as a unit. But I actually think the rebellion against kind of segmenting the body and training things individually has actually led to a little bit of a problem um, in that I don't think people are ready to integrate before they start integrating. Right. So it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a weird thing. So, yeah, whatever you said is correct. The way your body works is all at once, all together. Everything goes at the same time. Everything has to work with everything else. The problem is is that unless you have a specimen whose individual joints are working properly, you can't exactly ask the joints to work as a unit if you know your shoulder isn't doing what a shoulder does. So yeah. strangely enough, I, I, I agree, and at the same time, I, I, I teach almost the contrary. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, completely. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, always, I always say that you can't, you can't like you have to have articular independence before you can demand articular interdependence. Like if your joints, if you want your joints to work well as a total group, your joints have to work like joints. And the the one benefit that I have being a therapist and a trainer is that I get to see both sides of the equation. And I see that for the most part, most people's joints don't do what they're naturally evolved to do. Right. which becomes problematic if you want to integrate them into complex movements. Right. Yeah, I was listening to Alan Watts, who's a philosopher guy. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's amazing. Um, and one of the things that he was talking about is like, you know, you see, we go through these stages as people, you know, and so you see little, little kids and they first listen to music and they're dancing and they're moving and they're, they're fairly integrated. You know, if you see a little baby moving with their body, they move yeah. with their toe the same way they move with their hand and their tongue. You know, they, they put their foot up and it's, it's all this, it's all one integrated unit. Then, sure. you know, and, and people are dancing, you know, people are happy though. Yay, they're, you know, little Susie's dancing, it's great. Then Susie gets hyper aware of how Susie moves. You know, yep. and she starts moving like a normal person. She doesn't want to start integrating her foot the same way she does her hand or because that's weird. Nobody else is doing that in school. And sure. so we go through this long phase of dancing being, you know, very rigid and linear. And it's like, I'm doing the robot, you know. And, yeah. then, and then if you keep on working with it, eventually you come back 
to that integration with a whole new level of sophistication. And I think yep. that's kind of like what you're getting at is it's like we need, we've, we've, we've chunked ourselves out. You know, we've sat in too many desks, too many cars. You know, we stood around too much. You know, now it's like we need to figure out how to get, you know, the smaller components functioning at a higher level. How do we get all these joints articulating functionally so that we can get back to that fluid movement? Does that kind of make sense? are so far away from what a human is supposed to be right now that we've completely changed the definition. So you were talking about kids. You get these kids and they're doing all of I always say if, if kids, if people would, would kind of move and, and integrate movements and, and do complex movements, et cetera, et cetera, since when they were babies or kids, my job would be obsolete. Right. But I think what happens is, is you, get, you get these little people who are given a definition as to how a human should behave and what a human should do which completely dehumanizes them for years and years and years at a time. And then you're, you know, a 35 year old and you, and you might want to go back to some physical activity and you assume that your body is the same that it was when you were six, seven years old and everything seemed easy and it's not. And that's, in my opinion, the major flaw in the, in, in the systems today in training systems is people are assuming they're starting with a human and I don't assume so. I assume you're starting with a, a you know, make-believe type of, of living creature that, that was once a human and is now, you know, an office-sitting, shoe-wearing, right. you know, TV-watching thing. We're poodles. Well, back into these gym scenarios, and, and you do things which you deem functional, you know, because you, you have this definition of what a functional movement should be. And people are doing these functional movements and then they end up in my office injured. Right. And the question is, well, I don't understand. If they're doing all of these amazingly functional exercises, then why are they getting injured? And it's because you're doing it off a non-functional base. Right. It's like when somebody asks me if, if running's bad for your knees, I say no, but your knees might not be good enough for running. Right. Yeah. And then that gets into, you know, like the axial skeleton versus, you know, working with, should we be working with the center? Should we be working with the periphery? Like where do, for folks at home, where do they start? You know, because if you have, say your spine is, is stuck in, 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 in your, your thoracic spine is stuck in flexion, it's going to be really hard for you to get a really clean overhead flexion with your shoulders. You know, so, so how do people, you know, I'm, I, I, something I say a lot is like, you are your best therapist. Usually, yeah. you know, you also have to learn a lot to really become your best therapist. But, you know, yeah. we all have that capacity. How do people start to look inside and start to really differentiate, you know, okay, here's the base of the pyramid. Here's the secondary level. Here's the tertiary. I, I, you know what? I, I get this question a lot, and, and I don't think people listening will like my answer. Um, but the answer is it's extraordinarily complicated. You know what I mean? Like I get uh, one of the things that I, I focus on a lot is uh, I call it segmenting the spine, or which is pretty much making sure the spinal joints work like spinal joints are evolved to work. Right. Um, so I'll say unless you have segmentation in your spine, you know, like you said, overhead pressing, squatting, deadlifting, all of this can become problematic. So I'll get the question on Twitter, you know, how do I segment my spine? It's like, well, this is not something I can explain in 140 characters. And it's not something that... <laughs> can be done by buying a lacrosse ball or buying um, a, a foam roller. And I get a lot of flack for that. I'll get people saying, well, you're just trying to sell therapy or you're just trying to sell this. It's like, you know what, don't, I, like, I don't care if people come to my seminar, if that's the, if that's the, uh, the reasoning. I, I just, 
it's difficult to say. Like, how do I make my shoulder work like a shoulder should? I don't know. I haven't assessed your shoulder. There might be some structural damage that's in- occurred over 20 years of doing nonsense. The only thing I can say is um, that essentially the way that joints maintain health is through moving. And your body, just by way of the evolutionary process, is has evolved in such a way that it requires constant moving on a regular basis for your entire life. So one of the best things, pieces of advice that I give people is make sure you move all of your joints to their fullest capacity frequently. Right. And, and that's the best thing that I can do without having assessed someone specifically and, and looking at a problem they have and fixing it. Right. And so, and, you know, uh, a big part of my business is selling self-care products. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I sell, I have a, the self-care kit with the foam roller, the bed, blah, blah, blah. You can hear it in the intro. It's, you know? again, it's, it's not bad. No, it's no, just no. that it's difficult to say what should you do versus the guy next to you. And so that's what I, that's the biggest thing that I say with that is it's like, it's nothing but a piece of rubber and plastic. You know, what you, what, you could use a corner of a massage table. I say that just because I'm looking at one, you know, or a quarter of your Chevy truck or whatever and get, sure. achieve similar results. You know, sure. it's all about the, the intelligence of the user. You know, these yeah. tools, it's the same as any tool. You know, yeah. if I pick up a paintbrush, it's going to be much different than if Pablo Picasso picks up a paintbrush. Absolutely. You know, so a similar concept with these self-care tools, you sure. know, and so I think that the biggest thing is that we develop the intelligence of the users and then yeah. all of a sudden these tools, they become pretty effective, you know, if you yeah. know how to util- utilize them properly. And then that turns into, you know, functionality of movement, you know, and then getting into dynamic movement, then getting into ballistic movement and really moving like a human should. And I yeah. feel like if you are moving like a human should 100% of the time, then foam rollers become obsolete. The fact of the matter is, nobody's really moving like a human 100% of the time. Sure. And that's the problem. And the question that I always put out to people is, if what are you doing on a regular basis to counteract what's occurring with your non-human behaviors? Like, if you're, there's no good way to sit at a desk. You can have your desk analyzed by a, you know, by a posture specialist, an ergonomic specialist, blah, blah, blah. You can have your desk set up perfectly, wonderfully, at the right levels, but the fact of the matter is, is that you can't sit at a desk for eight hours well. Right. You right. just can't do it well. So the question is, because we have to live in this made-up civilization that we've created, what do you do on a regular basis to counteract all of the negatives that come with being at a computer, driving a car, doing podcasts, etc.? Right. And and right. that's that's really the the game and. As much as people want to think that it's all it requires is an hour of their time exercising, that's really not how your body works. Your body doesn't understand an hour of exercise. I mean, to be honest with you, exercise is just something we invented to try to compensate for the fact that we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Because no hunter-gatherer went for a jog to you know boost cardiovascular health. They went for a jog because they had to hunt shit and kill it. Right. Um, <laughs> And that's the way your body is. Your body hasn't evolved much in the last, let's say, 80 to 100,000 years. So between you and me, what do our bodies think we're doing? It thinks we should be in the, in the forest hunting and gathering food. Right. What are we doing? We're sitting in a chair having a discussion, which means we're not doing what we should be doing for our bodies, right. which right. means you need to, on a regular basis, move your body in order to preserve it. Now, let alone function at a high level. Just to preserve your body, you have to move way more than we give, uh, the, the, than we do. Right. 
you know, so so with that, I am. I, we we are all living in a zoo, you know, and so but sure. but what we can control is the type of zoo that we live in. You know, there's no way around it. This is a zoo. You know, we've created Absolutely. the fact that we can. I I can you know talk to you from in Ontario, and you you can get paid by sitting here on the computer. It's like that's that's not natural. You know, but what no. you can do is you can change things up. So, I mean, I've mentioned this probably a hundred times in the podcast. I'm right now. I'm standing. One foot's on a foam roller. The other foot's on a wobbly chair that I'm like, kind of like, just kind of moving around just for no good reason. You know, I'm playing with hinging my hips. I'm playing with opening up my spine. All this stuff that I it's like, you know, homework that I've given myself for the last freaking five years. You know, it's like, oh great. You know, I got an hour to talk with with Dre here. You know, I can yeah. I can work on this stuff. You know, but one, one of the well, things that's hundred percent, that, you know what, I, I can't, I can't back this up with any significant literature, but what I've noticed in my clinical practice is the people that express movement more on a regular basis, you know, there's, there's some people that just kind of stare at you, their head doesn't move. They don't move. They just talk. Right. They sit in a chair. They look way too comfortable in that chair because they can just sit like a lizard for hours. Those people tend to, in my opinion, they tend to have more problem than people like yourself who are more dynamic. They're moving around. They're, they, they, they have more of a, of a bounce. They're, they're, they're here. They're there. They're everywhere. They seem, in my opinion, to have and, – and like when I say it's not backed up by research, it actually is indirectly backed up by a ton of research, um, meaning that your joints maintain health by moving. Right. Ergo, if you move more, you should be more – healthy from a musculoskeletal standpoint, but I totally noticed it in my practice as well. Right. And so something back with the, the foam rollers and all that stuff, something that I've heard you mention before is, you know, again, it's the intelligence of the user, you know, and so sure. a lot, a lot of people end up doing the, the standard, you go into any like LA fitness or 24 hour fitness or whatever. It's like, everyone's rolling out the IT band, just cringing their face, just hating their yeah. life. You know, because yeah. it's freaking sensitive. <laughs> it's a yeah, yeah, yeah. banded, tightly wound fascial on the side of your thigh, which like bears a ton of load. It's supposed to be kind of tight. You know, yeah. and so we end up getting so wrapped up and pressing down, smushing these tissues. And then we call it myofascial release. Yeah. You know, so yeah. can you yeah, kind of get I've, into that I've, a little bit? Um, it, yeah, I, I, you're probably referring to that YouTube uh, video that I put up just describing why um, foam rolling in my opinion, isn't myofascial release. I get hate mail on that every single day. For some reason, people just, just think it's a horrible thing to say. And just to clear this up, on that video, what I was saying was the mechanism of why foam rolling works or doesn't work is, is not the same mechanism that we're referring to when I'm doing soft tissue on someone. Right. I'm doing soft tissue on someone, the old... Uh, uh, analogy is I'm breaking up scar tissue, which in my opinion, that analogy is complete nonsense because I don't break up scar tissue. That's just, it's just too easy an analogy. It's, it, it's not really the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is when I'm doing soft tissue work, I'm using my hands to communicate with your cells and the communication that we're having is via force. So I'm specifically directing forces into your tissues, which are felt by your cells and the intent of doing that treatment is to somehow remold the tissue along my lines of force. Right. Now, the problem is, is with foam rolling, you have an external load and you're moving relative to the external load. So what your cells are feeling is simply compression, right. meaning they don't feel the directionality of the foam roller. And 
in which case your cells don't know how to remold. So that's what I was referring to. Never did I say that foam rolling is useless. You shouldn't do it. It's not beneficial. Um, All I said was that can't be the mechanism just by pure biomechanics. Uh, But of course, people take that as I'm insulting what they do and, and it works for me and I feel better after I roll. If you feel better after you roll, keep rolling. This is, I'm not saying don't use it. It probably has a, a, a beneficial effect. I don't know that I can tell you what that is from the research that's been done on it. Uh, there's probably some touch-induced analgesia, meaning that when you roll on it and it hurts, the hurt goes away, right. and then that feels nice. Right. There could be some fluid, you know, hemodynamic thing occurring. The, the, re- the thing is we just don't know. But I'm not saying don't use it. I'm saying don't assume that it's going to remold your tissues and don't assume that it's the same as very specifically directed forces that can be applied using someone's hand um, if they're a skilled therapist. That's all I was really saying. Sure, sure. You know, with that video. No, and I, and I agree. Like I'm you know, kind of like a foam roller guy, and I completely agree. You know, and yeah. it's using foam rollers, again, like it's it's – where you use the tool in the right spot. You know, it's, you don't use a screwdriver to loosen a nut. You know, and so if you want, the biggest sure. thing is we want to be differentiating tissue layers, right? So something sure. that you can utilize that's going to help differentiate tissue layers that's a lot like a therapist's elbow would be mm-hmm. a ball, you know, and then yeah. something that you can combine with that, which you actually, I've seen you disagree with this. I'm curious your, your, your opinion on this. Something that I do all the time is I'll do more like active release. I have clients move. You know, and so yeah. I'll, I'll either show them, place the ball here between these muscle bellies, now rotate your leg in, rotate your leg out, flex the knee, extend the knee, or whatever it is we're working with. And I see great, great results with that, like fast. It's amazing. We'll do PNF stuff. We'll do reciprocal inhibition, which I've seen you disagree with that as well. And I'd like to learn more about what, what the deal for reciprocal inhibition is, because to my, I, I thought reciprocal inhibition was still legit. Apparently, it's not anymore. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's, just, it's just the way it's defined. I mean, reciprocal inhibition was originally described as a reflex, uh, not as a sustained um, occurrence that people believe it is. Like to say that your psoas is tight and if you release it, your glute will come on, um, that kind of language is, it's just scientific analogies. I mean, even saying something's tight, if you tell me something, if you're telling a patient, you know, your hamstrings are tight, the patient gets what they need to understand. But if we're having a discussion um, within our profession, and you say the hamstring is tight, I'm going to ask you, what do you mean by tight? Right. Do you mean that it it's, mean you know, is there scar tissue causing it? Is the origin and insertion physically closer together? Do you have an increased neural drive to the tissue? Is there aberrantly laid down connective tissue making it tight? Right. Uh, is it a feeling of tightness? Do they feel tight? Do you feel it as tight? If you feel it as tight, what do you feel? It's just not enough information and when someone says reciprocal inhibition, like if I do a, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, your, your glutes not firing, whatever that means, and your psoas is tight and I release it and the glute comes on and this shuts off. I just think it's, it's um, we're trying to convince ourselves that our analogies are actually true. Right. And they're not. Our analogies are not true. They're just analogies. Right. Uh, and reciprocal inhibition, I mean, if you read... Uh, Ian Schreier's uh, review in evidence-based sports medicine, he alludes to the fact that it's kind of been disproven since the 70s, but it's just something that keeps getting propagated in the literature as if it's real, and it's, it's just not a, a real phenomenon the way people use it. But you were talking about the, um, the tennis ball. 
and you said that I disagreed. What, I don't know what you meant by that. Oh, no, no, no. Disagreed with what was it? Not reciprocal inhibition. There was the other thing. I don't remember what it was right now. I'll come back to it. You, you were saying <laughs> a tennis ball and you were doing some active movements with the tennis oh, ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. that you had, you had mentioned was um, that by, by moving, it's like increases your, your uh, neuromuscular reflex, I think was the term you used, or something like that. I was, I was watching a video a few days ago. And I was like, oh, you know, and so what you were saying was essentially that by not being passive with the joint mobilization, you don't allow mm-hmm. to access the, you know, the, like the depth of the nervous system because the nervous system comes on, the gatekeepers come on and kick you out before you actually get to that end range. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Does that, do you remember saying that? Uh, if you were referring to active movement or, or releasing a tissue while someone's moving, uh, yeah, the way that I look at it is I have to dif- if I'm treating a client, I have to differentiate whether the lesion or problem is mechanical, right. meaning there's, let's say, connective tissue disorganization, right. or it's neurological, meaning there's a signaling problem. Right. And you just have to use the appropriate tools for the appropriate time. If you have a neurological problem, let's say that your nervous system keeps firing into your hamstrings, and the problem is, is there's a signal problem, then rolling it on a foam roller or me rubbing it or a massage therapist getting in with their elbow, it might cause temporary uh, effects, but it's not going to cause, it's not going to fix the actual problem, which is there's a signaling problem. Um, So I was probably alluding to the fact that you have to pick the right tool um, for the, whatever job you have to do. And that goes back to the idea of what I do for myself. And unfortunately it's very difficult if you're assessing yourself to, to realize what is the specific thing you need to do to fix that problem? Right. And the reason I talk about this a lot is because I get a lot of people who assume that if they know how to foam roll or if they have a tennis ball, then they are bypassing years of education and they can actually diagnose their problem and they can decide what they have to do, which is smash the tissue as hard as you can. And the problem is, is that that's not always the smartest thing to do. I'll give you an example. There's something called uh, bursitis where people have these little fluid sacs in between their tendons that swell um, for various reasons. And if you have a bursitis, uh, because of the suffix itis, it means it's an inflammatory problem. Now, if you have an inflammatory problem and you think it a good idea to take a lacrosse ball and smash the shit out of the tissue, it's just not a good idea. Now, if you, if you ask me, well, how do people at home know if it's a bursitis versus not a bursitis? You go to school for a long, long time. You know what I mean? So so the best they can tell people is you do what you think you should if you don't think the problem's very severe, but you can't just foam roll tight hamstrings. If you, if your hamstrings are tight all the time and you have to roll them all the time and they're never loosening, there's probably something else that's wrong. They didn't just decide to get tight on you. Right. There's a reason why they're tight, which you should be exploring outside of being in your box or gym and just somebody saying, Hey, maybe you should foam roll on them right. forever. Right. You know what I mean? There's just more to it than that in a lot of situations. Sure. So for first, yeah. you know, so once you've come down to some degree of differentiation of whether it's, it's, you know, a motor control issue or it's a tissue adhesion issue, you know, sure. so let's let's say it's it's more of a motor thing where you're just not able to fire that pattern yes. very functionally. Yes. You know, sure. What what do what do we do with that? Is there any kind of guidance or homework that you give to people? 
Uh, I do. I well, first off, I make sure that the the system is able to accept the direction you're giving it, um, which is one of those steps that that a lot of people also miss. Right. Um, and for example, you go to a uh, it happens to be you go to a therapist, and the therapist will oh, you say oh, you have scar tissue here. They'll rub on your scar tissue for a few minutes, and then they'll give you a whole list of exercises to do. And I find a real problem with that because first of all. As I teach in my seminars, whatever I do to someone as a therapist in my office that day, it's not going to cause a lasting change. Never in the history right. of research has anybody demonstrated that a single treatment input can cause a, a change in, in biological tissue that lasts indefinitely. Right. Like I can't just rub something and break scar or reorganize connective tissue. It doesn't happen that way. It happens over a period of time, like anything else. You can't go to the gym, lift a weight once and get stronger. It doesn't work that way. You have to lift that weight repeatedly over time. So when someone comes to me with an injury, the first thing I have to do is make it so that their body is receptive for the exercises. And that, a lot of it amounts to just making their body work normal. Just make their joints work well. Just make their tissues function well and then I can start giving exercises to correct like you were talking about motor program or motor pattern deficiencies and the funny thing is is that when your body is receptive the exercises are not that complicated and they work rapidly right um, but I think some of the problem is is stemming from when you go to a therapist if something hurts if you rub it it's going to feel better sure you know what I mean yeah. it's just we just will like if you bang your elbow and go like this it feels better. So me as the therapist, if you come to my office and you say your elbow hurts and I do whatever technique I did, you know, a seminar for, and I do this certain thing and I say, does it feel better? And the person goes, wow, my elbow feels better. I got immediate results. Therapists actually convince themselves that they actually changed something. Right. And every single piece of, of scientific literature ever written in the, in the history of humanity says the contrary. But people just want to ignore that because, oh, my elbow feels temporarily better. Right. And that's another reason why foam rolling worries me in some, in some cases because you take a person who has a very bad range of motion, let's say, in their hips, and they can only achieve a certain depth during squatting. And then they foam roll, and then all of a sudden, for the next hour or so, they have access to these new ranges of motion. And, and they think it's a good idea to load the bar with a stupid amount of weight and start doing these crazy heavy sets. Right. And I don't think that's a great idea, man. I think that if your body doesn't allow a range of motion to occur, it's probably because it doesn't know how to control that range of motion. Right. And if you just temporarily numb it in order to allow it to happen, that might be one of the reasons why you keep getting injured, your hamstring keeps tearing, you know, it keeps being tight. Um, so I think we have to look at the body for what it is and we have to take a bird's eye perspective of research and say, how does the body respond? Right. Oh, I see. Very, very slowly. Yeah. And we have to eliminate all of the systems that, that speak to the contrary because they, they just can't be true. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you know, to my office and they have back pain, and I rub them, and they're like, "My, I feel better." I don't tell them, "Well, I did nothing." You know, I don't kill the placebo. I love the placebo, <laughs> but I don't buy into the placebo for myself. Treating the person does that make sense? Oh yeah. I know they have work to do. I know this is not a one shop, one step. You know, 
crack here, rub there, roll here, pop that, and the person's better. It just doesn't work that way. It's a similar concept with you know holding long static stretches before exercising. You know, it's, it, yeah. it, it desensitizes that tissue. You know, so you're like, oh, I feel great. You know, I've, I'm all yeah. I'm all limber. I'm all stretched out. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. you know because you sat in a hot tub for an hour, like your tissue is going to get loose. You know, you're going to come out. But did you create structural change? Probably yes. not. In fact, you were in a sitting hunched over position the whole time you were in that hot tub, very likely. Yes. You know, it's you true. feel and great, but it didn't make it, a change. And you, you're speaking of stretching, and I mean, not only does it numb that and, and make it feel looser, but it also decreases your load absorption capacity. Right. And if, if, if anybody listening has any experience with injury management, they'll know that the reason you get injured is not because you weren't flexible enough. It's because the tissue that's injured couldn't absorb the load that whatever you were doing was putting into the tissue. So you stretch statically, you decrease your load absorption capacity, you're probably going to hurt yourself easier. And this goes back to the idea of analogies. The analogy is, you know, I'm really tight, I'm susceptible to injury. If I loosen myself up, I'm very bendable and therefore I won't get injured. And that's just 100% not how it works. But we kind of buy into the analogies just because that's just what we do. We like analogies. We like to say... You know, you're, you know, I always use the one, your brain is like a computer. Right. No, it's not. I mean, what came first? The brain came before the computer. Right. So the best we can say is the computer was roughly modeled along a brain, <laughs> but it's not the same thing, man. My computer is not made of living biological tissue. Right. It doesn't respond the same way. If I smash my fist into my computer, it's the healing process doesn't start. It's right. just dead stuff. It's not the same. And the analogies are very dangerous in my opinion, especially when the therapist or the trainer starts to believe their own analogy. That's a problem. Right. And that gets into dynamical systems and chaos theory and all that where it's like, is it happening? Is it happening in the little micro trip, like in between my temples or, you know, or or is it happening everywhere? You know? Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. And that's something I talk about a lot. It seems that movement has little to no plan before the movement starts. It's like your body sees, you know, what are you asking me to do? Okay, where is my body now? Okay, now you want to go from this position to this position. Let's try this way. And then as variables come in, we'll adapt as we go. So it seems like the body's movement system is way more complicated than we give credit for, which is why I often speak out when I hear people saying stuff like, you know, you did, you squatted or whatever, and your hamstring fired late and your glute was too, uh, or your glute fired late and your hamstring fired sooner and your opposite erector was turned off and this was turned on. Right. I have a real problem with that because I've read a lot of neurology textbooks. I've spoken to a lot of neuro specialists and they don't understand what therapists are talking about when we talk that, that, that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, we assume we know stuff, and I'm like, well, where, what book did I miss? Where, where did you find that information that this is supposed to fire before that? Right. Because from everything I've read, it seems to be random. Right. Well, we have, and, we have this panacea for, oh, you got you to gotta fire the VMO. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, you got to fire the thing, whatever it is. What that ends up doing is it ends up 
complicating things more than it was to start even, you know? So you were already beginning to be disintegrated and then we started disintegrating you more because now we have this super powerful whatever thing that we isolated. That being said, I think there is a time and a place for isolation, you know, in order to to develop your sophistication around that joint, you know, and in order to really, like, if you've never had a conversation with the posterior side of your shoulder girdle, it might be in your favor to start talking to it. The the first step of that might be isolating and doing some scapular retraction. It might be, you know, just really getting to know that space. And I, I, you know, I I speak in analogies a lot because I don't think people really need to, you know, hear big, long polysyllabic words about this stuff. Of course. Absolutely. I mean, when I talk to my patients, this is not the way I'm speaking, but, but yeah, I agree with you. I think the whole idea of training functionally has gotten so out of hand that we're, we're not even asking ourselves, you know, like if I want someone to, to overhead squat, can they actually move their shoulder in the right position or do they compensate by extending their spine or, you know, do they have the prerequisites? And I always say this on every podcast, it seems the, the, the least utilized term in the gym is prerequisite. Right. And, and, and I, I think it's the, it's, it's the reason why I'm so busy in practice is because people don't get their prerequisites and then they come into me injured and they go, I don't understand why I'm getting hurt. And I always say, well, if you can't do the movement unloaded, then why did you think it was a good idea to do it under a bar with 225 pounds on it? It just doesn't make any sense. Right. But like you were saying, is it's you you have to be you have to work individual joints insofar as you have to make them do what they're supposed to do. If they don't do what they're supposed to do, don't worry about the Turkish getup or the complicated whatever functional exercise that, that somebody told you to do. You need to get your shoulder working. Right. That's it. Yeah. Until you do that, don't worry about function and integration and the body is one and blah, blah, blah. That's all, that's all lovely. Right. But your job is to sit at a desk all day, which means you're probably not integrated enough to do that exercise yet. Right. And that's really my, the functional range conditioning system, it, a large part of it, that's exactly what that is. It's teaching uh, therapists and trainers, how do I look at someone and determine what they're capable of? And then once I determine what they're capable of, how do I make them more capable so that when they do this stuff, they're not getting hurt? Right. It's, it's, I mean, it's so uncomplicated, but I mean, it's not easy to do with a client, but it's the, the idea is very simple. Make stuff work nice. That's the idea. Yeah. I mean, it's like anything. It's like everything is so, so simple. You know, it's like, but then at the same time, if you really want to get into it and you do want to dissect it, it gets pretty freaking complicated. It gets so complicated that we mess it up. We don't get it. You know, (laughs) I I throw my hands in the air and and going back to my FRC system, I say this a lot. I always tell my students, I, I tell my clients, I say, I don't know enough about the nervous system to give you these ridiculous explanations as to why your shoulder hurts. Maybe your left shoulder hurts because your big toe on the opposite side is not functional. That sounds whimsically amazing. But unfortunately, I don't have knowledge past what human beings have accumulated during research history to make stuff up for you. So I throw my hands in the air and I say, look, We know very little about the nervous system, 
But what we do know is that our body evolves to do certain things. And a shoulder, a shoulder's job is to work like a shoulder should work. So instead of messing around with this muscle turns off this, which shuts down that, which blah, 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 blah. Let's just make your shoulder work well and then practice moving. That's it. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's you know, so, so Ida, Ida P. Ralph, she said, put it, put it where it belongs and, and then call for movement. You know, I think, that, I think that's the yeah. most important thing. It's like, you know, one of the things that I've heard you say before is, is, is correct your movement patterns with movement, I believe. It's something like that. You know, and one of the... saying that, like people, uh, they, they talk a lot about movement training. And I don't understand what they mean. When you say movement training, I think of practice. So you're practicing a particular movement. That's fine. Right. But you don't really train movement because movement is, is random and variable. Right. What you have access to is training the joints involved in the movement, right. making them capable of doing the movement you're about to do. And once you have that, you just practice moving. Does that make sense? So to say that I'm a, you know, I'm training someone, I'm a movement trainer. I don't even understand what that means. It doesn't make any sense to me because that's like, like maybe if you're, if movements were programmed in your brain, like we once thought, yeah. like there, people assume that there's a, that there's someone living in their brain yeah. and they're able to like load up programs. Like there's a squat program and the little dude in your brain takes the disc out and loads it up and presses enter and you squat. The, the research doesn't seem to justify that mentality. It seems like movement is very random. Yeah. So what you need to do is give yourself the tools, i.e. make your joints do what you're asking them to do, and then you practice more and more complicated movements to challenge the system to be able to respond. I think that theory of you know, the little processing chip guy up in your head, that actually came from Men in Black with Will Smith. Is that what it was? I believe that was the origination of it. You know, a lot of the stuff, it's like, it is fantasy. It is models, you know, and I'm saying that jokingly and like almost seriously. It's like we create these models. We differentiate sure. these models in order to understand our, our bodies and our minds. If we let go of that model and get into the experience of movement, we might start really getting somewhere. And one of the things that I, I say with clients, you know, like I said, analogies, you know, is like, yep. Think about lining up your dominoes, you know, so that's your soft tissue practice. You know, that's your neurological practice you know, you're, where you're, you're starting to open up these movement patterns. If you have this long, beautiful, elaborate set of dominoes, but you're missing, you know, a domino here and then around that corner and then four dominoes in that corner, you, you, you hit your domino, stop. Right. Yep. That's an injury. That's moving like crap. You know, whatever it is, you're missing spaces in that sequence. You know, and that's what it is, is creating that congruency between your soft tissue. You know, analogy, but that's, a, that's a really good one. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, so we're creating that congruency between what's happening in our physical body, you know, our hardware and what's happening in our software. You know, one of the things that, that I've heard you riff on before that I think is interesting, and I, I talk about this a lot as well, is um, the whole neutral spine thing, you know, the infatuation yeah. with neutral spine. You know, do, yeah. Can you, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I'm curious your thoughts <clears throat> on that. Sure. It's not, um, people, uh, they, they misinterpret what I say as saying you don't need to train a neutral spine, which is, of course, not what I'm saying. Right. What I'm saying is, is that neutral spine is a fantasy that you can find in someone in a static situation. I mean, you can go into a gym and you can tell someone when they're lifting, make sure they have a curve in their back, make sure they maintain neutral spine. Right. And I think you should because neutral spine represents the safest position for a spine. However, if you look at reality, right. which is, you know, just go into any gym, 
or turn on any sport or watch any artistic performance, what you notice is, wow, we go out of neutral spine a lot. And what I always say is if you only trained in neutral spine, then you shouldn't be surprised when you get injured when you're forced out of neutral spine. And that's the same for anything. It's like when you go to um, a personal trainer and they tell you, keep your shoulders back, you know, set your scapula all the time. Shoulders back, shoulders back. You're doing bench press, shoulders back. Military, shoulders back. That's all fine and dandy. But if can you name me a single athletic event right. where you have to pull your shoulders back and hold them there? Beer pong. It, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't, you know what I mean? Right. So what I say is that, yeah, you have to train someone to find neutral spine, to be able to stabilize a neutral spine. But as soon as that's done, you better be introducing them to out of neutral spine positions right. because the law of specificity, and they call it a law for a reason, would dictate that you don't train in the positions you get injured in. You probably shouldn't be surprised when you get injured in them. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, my, my thoughts with the neutral spine thing is like, it's a similar concept we were talking about before where it's like, we've gotten so far away from understanding what a stacked, stable spine looks like that maybe we need to come back and do some front squats, you know, and really start to learn like, what does it feel like to stack weight effectively from my head down into my feet? Do you know what that is? You know, because 90% of the people, when I come up behind them, you know, probably more than, eh, maybe 90%, when I come up behind them and push down their shoulders, it's one of my favorite, I don't know if you can call it a technique even, but it's one of my favorite things to do is press down on somebody's shoulders, everybody can do this at home, and, and feel through their body, where do you feel it break? Where do you feel it just bling, you know, oftentimes it'll be their yeah. lumbar spine, their lower back. You'll just feel this collapse there. You'll yeah. feel a knee collapse. Maybe if you're sensitive, you'll feel it down to the foot, whatever it is. You know, so I think it's like first figure out how do we get a stacked neutral in quotation spine. And then from there, how do we dance? You know, how do we climb a tree? How do we climb a mountain? How do we have sex? You know, because you don't have sex in a neutral spine position. <laughs> you can have shitty sex in neutral But I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, you, you're, you're touching on what I'm saying and, and, and the misinterpretation because people will say, oh, you know, Dre always talks about don't, you know, train out of neutral spine. I didn't say start off that way. Right. You do have to understand what neutral spine is. Right. But once you do, you have to explore other positions or you're just, you know, unless you can maintain neutral spine. I mean, if, if you and I can jump in a cage and start fighting and you can maintain neutral spine when I'm hip tossing you, right. you're a better man than I, dude, because there's no way you're keeping neutral spine. Right. And then the question is how familiar is your musculoskeletal system out of neutral spine? And that's the difference between injury and non-injury. Right. And you train jujitsu, is that right? Uh, yeah, I've been training mixed martial arts since I was a little, little, uh, little, little tyke. Nice, man. Uh, you know, so that's a really good example. Is like there's certain sports, you know, specialized sports that I think are pretty crummy for the body. Um, people are going to hate me. Road biking, one of them. You know, there's like certain things where you, you're, you're sitting in this position and you are, you are training your body to be really good on top of a machine in some arbitrary position that doesn't much relate to hunting an animal in the forest or climbing a tree or doing anything that you might, your human form might actually do. Sure. Mixed martial arts is one of those. Well, there's a lot of, you know, you have like the, the, the crunch forward, like fighter shoulders and your traps yeah. start becoming coming over front. And it's like, there's a lot of factors that are not so great, but 
there's a lot of variables with mixed martial arts, which is what I really, really like about it. You know, it's, well, yeah, there's no, there's no position to train. You train all of them. Right. You know, but having said that, so I mean, there's there's pros and cons. Uh, to speak what you were talking about, yeah, when you when you get these human, you know, invented things like a bike, right. and you put someone in the bike and you go for hours on this bike, yeah, your body doesn't know what a bike is. It has <laughs> no clue what you're asking it to do, and your body hates repetition. Right. Uh, so that becomes a problem. And then on the flip side, if you take a guy, a person like a mixed martial artist who requires an incredible degree of dexterity and movement capabilities and you put them in the ring before they have those capabilities, that's equally as, as problematic. Right. And yeah. one of the, one of the things that um, I've seen you do with folks is, is, is called isometric, isometric movement path work. Yes. That's so really, and that's something that I've, you know, been playing with with myself for a while is exploring so isometric meaning like holding a contraction in place and then movement path right you know so an example that you have on, on a YouTube video is you're going up into hip extension and your foot is up on like a table or something like that and then you're moving in through the full rotational range of motion of that hip while holding that contraction and I think that's a really important factor to, for us to be thinking about is it's not just flexibility Right? It's flexibility with motor control. It's flexibility with strength that's the most important factor. If you're just a Gumby, you know, the analogy that I use is like if you're, unless your job is to be the guy to fit himself into a little box, you know, busking on the street, like, then it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. you, you need to have that support with that as well. I mean, that's, you're taking a topic that I pretty much base the system around, but. What you're describing in my definition is the difference between someone who's flexible and someone who's mobile. Right, and I mean, right, when you right, think right. of someone who's flexible, what you're saying is that <clears throat> under a passive loading condition, be it gravity or someone stretching you, you're able to achieve a certain body position. But that doesn't mean that you, your body knows how to get into the position or utilize the position. And I always use the analogy, again, of the martial artist who wants to throw head kicks. And in order to throw head kicks, they, they, they passively stretch themselves into the splits. And then what happens is they try to kick someone in the head, and then they end up falling on their own ass. Why? Because they've developed useless ranges of motion, which I term flexibility, as opposed to mobility, which is the ability to actively achieve those ranges and control them. Right. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a major misunderstanding that if you're flexible, you're going to move better right. because it, it doesn't equate. Right. If you're flexible, you can teach your flexibility to be controlled, um, but you can't assume that because you've been doing you know, one of those static yoga methods for however many years that you're a mobile mobile, stable, good mover, because you're not. It's, it's, it's two different things. Right. And the, the, the analogy that Pavel Satsulin uses for that, uh, not for that, actually for, for kind of the opposite of that, but it, it works both ways, is it's like shooting a cannon out of a kayak. You know, so mm -hmm. he, he does that with, like, ice, with isolation exercise. I, I love this analogy where it's like, you know, if you're doing these huge bench press or bicep curls or whatever, great, you're developing a cannon. You know, but you yeah. haven't developed the foundation to shoot the thing. You know, sure. it's, it's a similar concept with flexibility, I think. If you're just wrapped up in getting the, that really long, you know, yeah. musculature, but you don't have any control over it, yeah. it can almost be more of a dangerous thing for you. 
hundred percent. And, and it's also hindering on your performance. I mean, I, I deal with uh, quite a few mixed martial arts athletes and that's one of the things that they notice um, after I train them for a while. It's that, yeah, maybe they, th- they could throw that head kick, but their body wasn't really comfortable in the position. And, and because of that, they were not able to generate as much power when they're throwing that head kick. And it's just a matter of teaching their nervous system about the position and teaching the nervous system how to function in that position, which is the difference between, you know, let's say a head kick knockout or just tagging someone and nothing really happening. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's all the difference in the world, in my opinion. I think that passive flexibility in my, my world is useless. It, it makes you look good at the end of yoga class, and that's just about it. Right. Uh, it's it's not going to translate to much more than looking good in Lululemons, uh, you know, right. while you're doing a hot yoga thing. Unless it leads to you getting laid, which could have some it type of absolutely is very that's useful. Chaos. That's chaos theory. Once again, you don't that's know where it. it's the butterfly effect. <laughs> of course, of course. So the, the one of the things that um, we have just a couple of few minutes left, but I, I wanted to get into what actually is happening when we are getting tissue layers to slide. You know, so when I first started, you know, massage school or you know, even like personal training years ago, I would I really liked the word thixotropy. You know, mm-hmm. it was like hypertrophy. It's like really it's great to sure. say it's like, oh I'm gonna do a little thixotropy here around your vastus sure. lateralis. You know, it's like that's okay. you know, now we're looking, it's like we're not really so much <clears throat> melting gels into liquids with our tissue. You know, it's more of a reorganization of these fibers. You know, or, or, or rehydrating that tissue, or reorganizing that tissue in order to 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 permit hydration. Yeah. You know, so do you have any thoughts yeah, on on, on like mean, the misconception of what we think we're doing versus what we're actually doing? Well, first of all, the word sliding is kind of a weird word because I, I don't think of tissues sliding past one another because all your tissues are connected. Right. Um, so what I, I say is that tissues are able to wiggle past one another to a certain extent. And the wiggle room is very, very important. Yeah. But to say that one tissue is sliding across another, I mean, if that actually happens, you need to go to the hospital because you right. just tore through a significant amount of connective tissue. Right. Um, but yeah, what, what is actually happening? Well, we know for a fact that we can influence the way cells, uh, let's call them fibroblastic cells, which are just undifferentiated connective tissue cells, we can influence the way they lay down tissue by speaking to them. And I always say that force is the language of cells and movement is what we say. So when we're doing tissue work, what we're doing is we're almost in a discussion. And the discussion is with the cellular the cells in that make the tissues. And the discussion is this. You have tissue that's laid down in a haphazard fashion. I would like you to reorganize said tissue along the lines of this particular force direction. Then I'm going to have to give exercises to reinforce that message. And over time, we can remold the body uh, as as we'd like to remold the body to be able to handle forces. And that's what I think is actually happening. I think that we're um, we're, we're, we're in a conversation and the, t- the cells are very stubborn. Right. It takes a lot longer for them to actually give a shit about your message than people give credit for. Right. Uh, you know, when someone's going shorten, lengthen, shorten, lengthen, shorten, lengthen, the research would indicate that your cells don't really care about that stimulus because it's not applied for long enough. Mm. 
Um, if you have more of a longer sustained force into the body and then you back that message up with very specific exercises that have the same directionality, then sure, it would, it would seem that we can realign. It's really not a great word for this re, remold or re-sculpt the body in time. Right. But that's what we're doing. Right. And I think things like fixotropy and all the – I think it's a way people are trying to find – You know, when I'm treating a patient, I must be causing an effect right away. Right. What is it? Let's find out what it is. Right. I, just, I just say it's nothing. We're not doing anything long term. Right. We're opening up a window of opportunity with which we can communicate with the tissue. And that has to extend far beyond my 20-minute visit of doing soft tissue work. It has to extend into – how the people hold their postures, what exercise you give them. When you give an exercise, what are you saying to the cells? What are you telling them to do? And that's the way that my soft tissue system is, is based around. It's, it's around communicating a signal and then reinforcing the signal with very specific exercises um, in order that the message is understood and changes actually occur in time. I, I really don't pride myself on fixing people the day they come in. Right. And a lot of people mis misunderstand that and they say, oh, maybe your, your system, my functional range release system, doesn't work as fast as this system. No system works fast. It, it doesn't matter what the person gets up and they go, oh my God, I feel great. Awesome. You placeboed them really, really well. I think that you should continue to tell them that you've done something. But between you and me, whatever you did requires training because that's the only thing that, that changes things long term. Right. So if the system doesn't also have very specific training inputs to follow up the soft tissue work, I, I, I consider it a less effective system just right. by way of what we know about how tissues respond to forces. Yeah. Yeah, I was recently, recently the last probably like five months, I went to see a therapist of some sort. I'm not going to say what modality of work it was, yes. but um, I kind of thought they were an asshole, you know, because they kept saying fix. I was like, shut yeah. up, you Yeah, I don't, I've, I've, I've been fixing anything me. in my life. I don't <laughs> fix anything. Training fixes things. Right. And, and to say fix, it's almost like you're saying, okay, now you're good. But you're not because the law of entropy says that your body is constantly breaking down from the moment you're born until the moment you die. I mean, we're becoming more and more disorganized. So to say that I fixed something, it's like saying I brought it back to normal and it's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. It requires ongoing training, ongoing exercise. We don't fix anything. Right. And it's and I love and and we are officially done. We got to <laughs> wrap up. <laughs> but I love that you said discussion because that's how I explain it all the time. You know, is it is yeah. it's it's not that I'm just in here with a megaphone talking, you know, it's like, cool, like you paid me, so you're going to hear my megaphone blasting at you. It's like, yeah. we need to have an in-depth discussion on what's happening in your own body. You need to yeah. be genuinely excited and intrigued about what the hell is happening in your VMO or in your, you know, yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're not genuinely excited about having that conversation, good luck, right? You know, it's like when you're cruising around in your car or your Cadillac, you know, and you have like the sound system blaring, you know, it's like, and you don't hear that your freaking engine is blowing up, you know, because yeah. you're so immersed in all these other signals, you know, so and until we can start to slow down and really pay attention to what the heck this body is, what the organization of their body is, it's going to be a really tough road for everybody, you know, so uh -huh. thanks for saying that. That's awesome. Yeah. How, no, how, how do people find you? And yeah, I think your work's great. You know, check it out. Thank where, you. Where, Thanks. Where, where uh, 
Uh, for seminar registration, uh, it's functional uh, anatomyseminars.com. Uh, and that's, I, I have a curriculum that's, um, some of it's open to trainers, uh, some of it's open to manual therapists, and some of it's open to both. Um, other than that, um, and those were the functional range release, functional range conditioning systems. Other than that, uh, my handle on Twitter and Instagram is at Dr. Andreo Spina. Um, yeah, I guess those would be the, the ways that you can see what I'm doing. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for coming on and, uh, hey, hopefully, uh, hopefully get to see you, man. It was, it was really a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it again. All right. Cheers. Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show, and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can find my blog. You can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body. You can check out the online coaching where we work work out how to optimize your movement practice so that you can live optimally and pain-free for the rest of your life. As well, be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist and massage therapist all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Online Podcast.
pollo y alguien no va a meter un poquito de compás por bulería. Venga, vamos allá. Todos los que quieran venirse.